You're listening to a special edition of My Safe LA's Fire and Life Safety Podcast, remembering the Northridge earthquake 20 years later. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another of the Fire and Life Safety Podcasts from My Safe LA. My name is David Barrett, and I'm one of your hosts. And this is part of our special series on earthquakes in Los Angeles. We're talking with Los Angeles City firefighters about their experiences during the Northridge earthquake on January 17, 1994. These stories are important not just because of the experiences of these firefighters, but because of the educational value they may hold for people who live in the community as we look forward to the next earthquake and how to be better prepared to survive it. Today, I'm really delighted to have Battalion Chief Michael Greenup, whom I've known for more than, a, more than a 10 years now, Chief, and we're delighted to have you. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, David. In 1994, what was your rank and assignment? Uh, I was a Captain 1 working at OCD, Operations Control Division, which is our dispatch center for the LAFD. So were you working on the 17th or coming in, or what what was your status that I was working on the 17th. Uh, I was actually working on the dispatch floor. Uh, we, We rotate our watch throughout the day. I had just finished uh, my watch at uh, 1 a.m. in the morning and had gone to bed for a couple hours of sleep. So 4.31 comes along and boom. What did it feel like underneath the floor? That was the thing. I was in the dispatch center, which is four floors below ground level in our uh, P4 level of City Hall East. Uh, Quite a shaker. I, I was in the dormitory. There was another uh, captain in there, shook real hard. I asked him if he had felt an earthquake that strong down there at OCD, and he said he'd never felt one that strong. Uh, as we got up, uh, you know, I had some concerns being in City Hall East, four floors under. I thought we might have lost, uh, you know, our, our exits because they have the uh, spiral driveways going down there. I thought the driveways might be down and then make sure we had uh, proper escape routes to get up to the uh, – street level. I imagine you got up and got dressed and went to the floor. Yes, got up, got dressed, went out to the floor. Uh, there's three captains working that uh, at OCD per, you know, 24-hour shift, so all three of us were out there. But what I found what was interesting was as soon as I got out, uh, the first call we got was the 10 freeway at National, and uh, one of the dispatchers said, hey, the 10 freeway at National has collapsed. We have a car over the side there. So I thought that was very interesting that that was the first call we got in the Northridge earthquake. Now, you had some interesting challenges that morning with uh, power generators failing, the software going down, trying to get it back up, and manually using radios and, and local computers to manage the incidents through the day. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Uh, yes, we did. That morning, it was interesting because we did have a power surge. The power went off right away, but then we did get we got power back up, uh, but it didn't last long. I mean, it was probably for maybe five minutes or so. So we, we lost power. The generators kicked on, and we could tell uh, we could tell we were on generator power at that time. Computers were operating a little slower. Uh, we were still able to to work in the uh, with the computers and dispatch uh, through our proper uh, dispatch system. And then probably whew, it was it was probably ten fifteen minutes. Uh, as we were starting to get all our status, our system crashed and went down. Couldn't figure out why, but we lost generator power at that time. Uh, 
generator had, was in, at the P3 level. It actually had um, some water leak in there, had a water pipe burst, so that, that went down. And then we were on, uh, on battery power. So very limited operations with the computers once we went to batteries. Uh, screens were going dark. Uh, we did have good lighting within the uh, communication center, and uh, we were able to, right away, we put all the whole city on radio watch, and that's how we were controlling our dispatches through radio watches, not computer, uh, computer generated. One of the things that we take for granted today in terms of our communication is that we have cell phones and we can text and use computers and so on to get information around. That wasn't the case back then. So as the calls came in, they were mostly coming from landlines, and, and what was the issues with, that might have existed with that? That was interesting because we did have some problems communications uh, right away. Uh, we, after we got a few calls from West LA, we knew that Valley was impacted. So we had a lot of radio communication problems with uh, out in the valley in establishing uh, or establishing where our companies were, proper status of each companies. And it's kind of funny you say that because at that time the three division commanders throughout the city were issued cell phones. I think there were some of the few people that had them in the uh, within the department. We uh, phone power went down right away, so we weren't able to call. Uh, Division 3 at the time, which was at a fire station 88, but they did have their cell phone, and we were able to communicate via cell phone. Uh, very limited cell phone uh, communication. Phones that weren't working good, the hard lines, but it was funny. The cell phones were actually working good. What limited communication we had and the few people that had them uh, worked good. I wouldn't see that be the case today with as many cell phones we got out there and many cell phone towers. I would think that system would crash right away but that was one our one line of communication for the division chief out in the valley was was the cell phone it was real beneficial it's an interesting thing to think that in a in an area where you dispatch fire apparatus throughout the entire city that you kind of get this bird's eye view of the earthquake and how it's affected the entire city from that perspective what did that day teach you guys or what did you experience throughout the day in terms of you know, there were 110 fires related to the earthquake, but there was 800 and something fires throughout the course of the day. So what what was the day like in terms of you're, you're underneath the ground there and you're trying to figure out, well, gee, what is the city like? What were your impressions about what the city was like? Good question, because, you know, it's real imperative that we get, you know, situational awareness. And that morning with the power being on, we weren't able to right away down there at our dispatch center. What we do is flip on the TVs, see if we have any uh, – Helicopters, news helicopters up where can give us some situational awareness of what's going on out in the field. Well, that morning, not having power and then going to battery powers, we weren't able to use the TVs. And it was, like I mentioned, the first call that came in was in Santa Monica. So I, I and then the second call that I took personally uh, on, on the dispatch floor uh, from the captain's consoles was Santa Monica Fire Department requesting a strike team. So right away, thinking about this, we, we we assumed that something must have been going on, on the west side of the city with the freeway down and then Santa Monica requesting resources. But within probably five minutes, all the resources, we, we noticed that most of the resources calling in and giving size-ups were within the San Fernando Valley. And then we even scaled that down to north to the uh, Northridge, uh, Chatsworth, Reseda area. We were knowing that that was heavily hit. So to get a picture of it, we're getting it from the uh, battalion commanders. They were radioing in. Division commanders gave us a good uh, 
good size of what was going on. They got some eyes on. They were able to communicate with us through uh, through the cell phone, like I mentioned. But it was mainly just uh, grabbing situational awareness, what we heard from the fire companies out there once we got our radio comms up, and then also uh, the battalion commanders checking in and let us know how each one of their districts were. One of the big incidents that occurred during the day, of course, was the collapse of the Northridge Meadows apartment complex. Um, were you involved at all in uh, managing resources uh, for that incident? I know Bob DeFeo was the incident commander there, and his side of the story is pretty important relative to resources. On that specific incident, we didn't have uh, right away, we knew it was going to be a lengthy incident, and uh, we we're going to need uh, our urban search and rescue teams out there. We didn't have formed urban search and rescue teams like we do now. Most of the guys were on call, so. Right away, we had uh, one of the captains start notifying the team to get companies out there. My job was was actually to uh, start filling behind them to make sure that we had enough companies to do that operation and uh, we weren't going to be short-staffed. Because pretty much at that time when Northridge Meadows went down, simultaneously we had the uh, Northridge Fashion Center at the mall. The uh, parking garage collapsed and got collapsed on one of the maintenance workers that was in a, a street sweeper type machine. So we're working both those incidents pretty much the same. We attached the USAR team right away to, to Northridge Meadow because we knew a lot of people, most of them being home at 4.30 in the morning and then also being a holiday, being Martin Luther King Day, that uh, that was going to be our most most at risk and most our life loss was there. The, uh, the one in the parking lot at uh, Northridge Fashion Center, we knew we had minimal, uh, probably minimal people there at that time, mainly just the uh, the maintenance workers. But my involvement in there, to answer your question, was to make sure we had enough uh, enough companies there to handle the incident, and then also to start filling behind them uh, in a support function to make sure they had proper relief, uh, logistical issues like food and water, uh, restrooms, and, uh, and that enough companies to handle that, uh, that specific incident. So everyone talks about January 17th and what happened during those initial hours. But what about the disaster after the disaster? What about the management and the number of fires and the number of people who needed help in the days after the earthquake? What happened in the week after? It was interesting because uh, a lot of services were lost throughout the San Fernando Valley. And uh, part of our job being at the dispatch center was um, – we actually placed engine companies with large hose uh, throughout, like a lot of the Northridge area, uh, throughout, uh, it was like the North Hills area, Mission Hills, and we actually supplied water to many homes where we would actually put a, a, a pumper, a fire engine on a hydrant, and they would be pumping probably a quarter mile down the street, supplying water to the local residents uh, where they could just ride off the uh, off the fire hose they had fittings where they can tap in and uh, and able to fill up uh, water jugs, water pails, whatever they need. And then uh, also uh, we had a few fire stations that were severely damaged where the firefighters weren't able to go back in there. Uh, for example, Fire Station 70, which actually was a red tagged. So uh, we were so internally we did have our own problems where we weren't able to put uh, put these fire companies back in fire stations where we had to relocate them. Also, a lot of problems with aftershocks, shocks afterwards. Uh, people. Uh, their home being destructed where we went in, uh, did quick inspections, assisted them with uh, whatever we could, you know, moving furniture, 
moving heavy items and uh, assisting people getting back in their homes as quickly as possible. What about language issues? Did you have the right ability to manage people who had spoke Spanish or Korean or Japanese or other languages in terms of assessing what their needs were? At that time, 20 years ago, especially the San Fernando Valley, it wasn't multicultural like you see the San Fernando Valley today. It was predominantly a, a Caucasian bedroom community. Uh, we did have some language problems with the Hispanics calling in. Luckily, there at uh, at OCD, probably at that time, about half of our dispatchers were Spanish speakers, so we were able to bring them onto the dispatch uh, floor for assistance with uh, with Spanish speakers, and then also we transferred calls to wherever the Spanish speakers were uh, were sitting. Twenty years have passed. You've had just a remarkable number of of jobs and promotions since then. You spent a lot of time in Hollywood. You've worked in arson, and you're now kind of in uh, the heart of kind of Koreatown, uh, southern L.A. What do you think about our readiness today for the next big earthquake? What would happen if an earthquake of the magnitude of Northridge occurred in Battalion 11, where you are kind of in Koreatown? What are your impressions? Earthquake with the impact of of Northridge earthquake 20 years ago, I would say it would be pretty devastating in this area because if you look at uh, Battalion 11 here, Pico Union area, uh, the Alvarado district, a lot of dense population in this area. We have a lot of apartments. We have a lot of apartments that are pre-33 construction, which is unreinforced masonry uh, that are anywhere from, you know, two-story all the way up to uh, the taller ones or, you know, seven, eight stories. So those with an earthquake of that magnitude would take a big hit within this area and would really affect the uh, the apartments and the, uh, the residents here. So it seems that it's, it's really important for the community to be able to take care of itself for some period of time following an earthquake. And uh, that's where programs like CERT come in. But beyond that, every home should have a, an escape plan and water and a fire extinguisher. Uh, are, do you agree with that? Or are there other things that you might want to suggest? Oh, most definitely, I, I think, because uh, even seeing it, the uh, the devastation at the Northridge earthquake and a stretch thin as those initial fire companies were, that a lot of the homeowners had to take care of themselves. Uh, that was a good example that uh, they did have to put out their small fires. They did have to go out there and, you know, turn off their, their power and, and gas utilities if necessary. And I would say in this area, most definitely, like I said, fire departments not going to be there right away if they could have their earthquake kits, their readiness plans, their family uh, communication plans to make sure that, you know, the families know everyone's okay and uh, and where they're meeting and where they're relocating to possibly, but definitely preparedness would be the key, and I would say definitely in, in this area. The LAFD is an all-risk life safety organization, and in that regard, a lot has changed for the better in the last 20 years. Today, uh, tell me briefly about how the department is prepared in terms of, you know, use of apparatus and teams and training and so on. I think we've greatly moved forward in that direction. Uh, for one thing, the USAR teams uh, on duty, we have USAR task forces throughout the city right now. Uh, there's currently four of them, uh, one in the San Fernando. We have to, actually two in the San Fernando Valley, one in the Hollywood area, uh, one in the, uh, the harbor. We've increased our hazmat resources throughout the city. We have uh, hazmat squads. Uh, in each div- division within the city, I, I think uh, people have really uh, 
cherished and appreciated the the cert component. Our cert folks have gone out and taught um, thousands of people since the Northridge earthquake to uh, get them better prepared for when that big disaster is happens within the city, that they'll be able to take care of themselves and be more self-sufficient. Well, that's all important stuff for everyone to remember, that the fire department will help whenever we ask, unless there are too many people asking at the same time, so we need to think about that. Thank you very much, Chief, for spending time with us today. And some interesting insight from down four floors below the street in City Hall East. Today, uh, the dispatch uh, center has been moved onto Temple Street into an above-ground facility, uh, which is now called Metro Fire Communications, or MFC. But OCD still remains there as a backup. And in the event of a major earthquake, it's very likely that the OCD will be put back into use once again. So, Chief, thank you very much for being with us today, and uh, stay safe out there. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to a MySafeLA Fire and Life Safety Podcast. MySafeLA is the public education partner of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Visit us at MySafeLA.org and LAFD.org.